Sorry. I can't keep it together when you say something like that. Because I can't say that on the air. Oh, you're killing me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. To <laughs> welcome back to Ike Live. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. I know we are. Uh, you could be watching something boring like football, but uh, I hope you've been watching this show because it's been awesome. Uh, <laughs> been very lucky to have uh, the one and only Byron Velvick on with us. Uh, entire second segment joining us back for the third. Byron, thank you again for coming on. Dude, it's been so great to catch up with you. Uh, dude, the stories. Best the guest stories, ever. Best guest ever. The stories of those, those old days just make me reminisce, yeah. and it makes me remember, you know, why I got into it, you know? I, I think, like, I, in my career, I got jaded, and as your career gets bigger, you sort of forget about those good old days. And uh, I'm remembering a lot of them tonight, and it feels good. <laughs> it feels good to hear these stories and and remember, you know. Yes, agree. It's been a lot of fun going through them again and just thinking about it. So it's nice. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been awesome. Let me remind everybody watching: uh, if yes. you've got a question or comment, please hit up Rizzo. Uh, hit up Riz on the IM. Shoot it through. If you're following over on social media, you can ask us through I, at Ike Live Show, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And of course, if you're watching on Facebook, you still have a couple minutes left to like and share the feed. If you do that, you've got a chance to win that amazing gift bag right there. It's Ike Life gift bag. Uh, Byron, we've got one more surprise guest we're going to queue in here with you to, oh to no. help us reminisce <laughs> a little bit from the past. Brian DeCarpenter is going to patch him through right now. I don't, I'm not even sure I know who this is uh, until I lay eyes on it. I think I know who it is, but I'm not sure. We're going we're gonna to lay eyes on this guy here in a second. Uh, Let's see. Hold on. Uh, Brian, Brian Carpenter is going to let him through. Before we do that, I, I want to jump to uh, one of the things that you mentioned with Skeet, which was these opportunities that a lot of us have had to travel. And one of them that is one of my fondest memories is going to Spain with you guys uh, in the early 2000s and uh, getting a chance with uh, uh, Javier – uh, to yep. go fish Euro Cup in the early 2000s. How amazing was that, Byron? How amazing was that experience? That was, wasn't that surprising? That comes out of ICAST, and he starts going around talking about having this Euro Cup, and he hears so much stuff at ICAST. I, I know, I, you, you know you guys know how it is where you're at the ICAST show, and everybody's got a story and an idea, and they're pitching something, and this guy's just taking down phone numbers and names and you know saying he's going to have a big European Cup tournament. And, and invite a bunch of Americans over to compete against the guys from Portugal, the guys from Spain and Italy. And you think, yeah, yeah, whatever. And you give me your email address, you give me your phone number. And, oh, my God, for it to actually happen. And then they're like, pick a team and, you know, bring a bunch of guys. And it's yeah. pretty cool, huh? There she is. Oh, hi. Yeah. It, it was. Okay, uh, back to the now. <laughs> now where can I annoy you? No. <laughs> It, yeah, Sorry. It, it was an amazing experience, and uh, to to sort of help bring that time back, I've got yeah. one of the original members of Team USA, original Euro Cup, joining us right here on Ike Live. Good friend, John Murray, John Murray, oh. Papa Murr, coming on the show. John, how you doing? Hey guys. <laughs> Been watching, been fun. How are you, John? <laughs> Happy New Year. 
Yeah, everybody having a good time there. <laughs> uh, missing some stories, but that's all good. Oh, man, it's good. Uh, you came in at the perfect time, John. We were reminiscing on the early years of the Euro Cup. Uh, really, first time in the sport where the USA got to compete with international teams. What a great time. Do you remember those, those years, John, those early Euro Cups? That, that, that first year was, was incredible. I mean, it just really was. All of us were just clueless. You just won the Classic. Yeah. Uh, Byron, Byron had, you know, he hadn't got on The Bachelor yet. Yeah. Right? It was 2003, so he hadn't got on The Bachelor Three Bachelor. We were all just amazed that we were going to Spain and going fishing. Yeah, it, it's crazy. We, we talked about the opportunities that came through fishing that I would have never imagined, you know. And, and John, you were early pioneer on the West Coast. It, is, has, has all this, when you look at it now, all these opportunities that we've had, you know, to get to the next level, to travel, you know, cars, boats, you know, all this stuff. Is, is, is this ridiculous or what? Like, I still can't even wrap my hands around it all these years later. Yeah, if we had any clue where it was really going, I think, uh, you know, there was a, I, I would say, Ike, you were one of the first that really understood where it could go. Um, Skeet obviously was one of the early ones. I think Byron and I were just, we were just having fun. <laughs> you know, I think that was our, you know, we were just enjoying the ride. We were, at, at, you know, at the top of the game at that point. And it was just a fun ride. But I never saw it going to this point. Never saw it going to this point. And, and as far as it's going, continuing, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it was amazing because I, I got to compete at Euro Cup uh, last year. And I really saw all – so all these years, you flash back to 2004, all these years later, I got to see the Europeans totally different. Like when we went, if you remember, guys, they just knew a few finesse techniques, and that was it. Yeah, you guys and, clowned them. And, and <laughs> you know, we had – the U.S. had a lot of successful years there early – and we taught them a lot. We, we taught them a lot. Do you guys remember some of that where they were yeah. sort of very limited with their techniques? Do you remember that, yeah. Byron? Totally, I remember that. It was, it was interesting to see them early on. They, they, everything was a lot more primitive. I think they were watching some old videos, VHS videos. You know, they had, they had, the, they had the strand high visibility, you know, line out there and this crystal water. <laughs> Fluorescent. And you'd see that day glow line they'd be throwing and that really bright strand stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be fun. And, and they were catching all the pike while we were catching all the largemouth. And, <laughs> and it, it was true. They, they, Luthio. You remember they were always Luthio. Luthio. Yeah. You guys sound like extra ter extraterrestrials, like viewing humans. Oh you know yeah, what I mean? like these primitive humans with their knives <laughs> and their bones. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that actually that's what it felt like. Like I'll never forget. So that first year, Byron, we had the most amazing accommodations. So Javier, Javier like set us Javier. up in these amazing hotels. Yeah. Like like they Castle. were old castles yeah. converted into hotels. We had a hotel in a city. A mu amazing downtown hotel. We were fishing out the window, like all this amazing stuff. But I remember there was a seminar attached to it, and John was one of the first ones to get up. And Br Brian Carpenter, I'll never forget this. There was a sea of Europeans, Spanish-speaking people, like thousands, just watching John on a tank doing his uh -huh. thing. 
and they didn't know a fucking word of English, <laughs> and they're just watching John like enthralled. And I, I th and I remember saying to myself, "This is unbelievable that you can have an impact on people like this." You know, it was mm. it was crazy. You remember that, John? There must have been a oh, sea yeah. of a thousand of them listening to you. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. I, I took Byron to Tokyo back ten years before that for a show, and it's the same thing. You're, you're not communicating with them, but they want to, they want to learn as much as you can do. So you're yeah. hand gesturing and doing everything you can, but man, it was, uh, it was, it's great to have people that want to know that much. What's that what like, John, talking to a, a throng of people that don't even know what you're saying? Like, what is uh, what, like, yeah. there's not going to be reciprocation like you get when people know what you're saying. What is it well, like? Well, in Japan, and they're very polite. I mean, no, they, I know, they're, polite. they're not, I you know, American bullying. audiences, if they don't like what they're saying, they just walk off. <laughs> these, guys, these guys stayed there and watched the whole show they yeah. never left and they, huh. they you know they never probably never understood a word but they they were very polite do you ever just make stuff up i did i did <laughs> in japan for sure byron and i know we we made stuff up because you, you you're trying to talk to an interpreter yeah. who's trying to tell you something and you know they're not saying the right things so yeah it was just like like whatever you know just get through this thing you like know, the scene from Johnny form. Dangerously when form. the pre when he was reading from the Bible, but he was like making words up. <laughs> we ride the bus, right. they all ride the bus. Remember on the death row scene from Johnny Dangerously? <laughs> all right, now yeah, I, I wanna you know Go ahead. Go ahead, Byron. No, to John's point, you would be giving a seminar and you would do this pretty decent long, like ten sentence dissertation, and then the little Japanese girl that was translating would go, oh, da, 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 da. and she would say like four words, and you're like there's no four words in Japan that will tell them everything I <laughs> and, and and John and I would look at each other and be like, what what are they, what is the Japanese girl saying to them? Because I just went into this in-depth conversation of how to rig this bait yeah. and the right came for reeling it in, and she did like, oh yeah, what what da And I'm like, that doesn't cover it. <laughs> she she was cutting side deals for first dibs on your swim bait, dude. With the girls in the audience. <laughs> yep. around that. Swim bait, swim bait thief. Uh, I I I need to know though, uh, John. We got to see Byron's uh, drawing power in other countries like Spain. Was his drawing oh, power? I'll just say it that way. Was his drawing power the same in Japan as it is in in the rest of the world? You know that that was it wasn't. It oh, wasn't. we Japanese found his weak girl, spot. Japanese girls were very proper. And they, wow, they, they, <laughs> they didn't want a dirty ass companions <laughs> to come with you, like eight mm. or ten little girls to come eat with you and drink with you. Yeah, and Byron, you know Byron's like a rabid dog. He's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were there for business, business only. And, and their brothers and, and family would, they followed us down the road at Tokyo one night. In the middle of the night, we're leaving a, a karaoke bar and we're with these five or six girls and we're going to another place. And these guys are behind us and Byron freaks out with, we're going to get in a fight. And we're in downtown Tokyo. He's like, kick yeah. off your boots. We're going to get in a fight with these guys. And all these guys were like their brothers and their boyfriends. And they were just watching for those girls to make sure we were good. Oh, Jesus. And so, yeah, they explained. No, they're they're friends. They're so they're okay. Boring. But yeah, they, I remember they were I took my boots off. I was going to practice some karate. Stupid yes. me, I'm in Japan. I think I'm going to do first some night in Japan. Byron's going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Mary, I got a question, Mary. Not like, Mary. Did, 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 I thought I was going to win a, ja a fight in Japan with my taekwondo. Scary, <laughs> stupid, 
That was way too much soshu, way too much sake. <laughs> way too much now, outside of Japan, like, did you ever get any like residual attention because of Byron? Like, where he laid the deal out, like making the friends like pay attention to you? Anything like that? No. <laughs> John, I got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, he, can't, he can't say. Is your, is your, is your wife in the room? Like, what are you doing? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> about residual. I got no residual. I, I, there's no. Yeah, my wife's not in the room. I don't no, know you, Byron. I'm talking about hitting residuals from you, dude. Like passing it down. You know, like, hey, Jesus get your friend over here. My friend you know John you know here. John, John's famous guy. line was always, you know, I only wish I could find the love that Byron found on the show. And I think he used that. Him and Skeet used that line everywhere we went. So when he drove <laughs> me around, it's like, I, I'm so happy for Byron. He found the love of his life on the show. And I only wish I could find the same love of my life. That was, that was what, that was the line they were using. Wow. That's... Did it work, John? No. No, <laughs> no, that's no it didn't you should have just stuck with. Do you want to hear? Come hear my if, car stereo. If, if girls, if the girls were into Byron, they were not into me or Ski. No, but the who had to, who had to lay on the most grenades from the crew? <laughs> I think I have. I think I've done. I, I, yeah, I think I've laid on a few grenades for Byron. <laughs> oh, Eternally grateful, Brian. Byron. <laughs> I am so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I want to go back. Uh, this has been very informative. Yeah, it's been yeah, very informative. Bass fishing podcast. I know bass fishing podcast. <laughs> uh, I do want to go back again to those early days. And and John, we got to have skied on. It was great to hear some of those early stories. But I I want to hear it from you too, John. Like that to me. Uh, when I look back on the sport, when you guys were you know in that era of breaking out of the West Coast, you know, winning those events. You guys were winning boats every other tournament. You were making, you know, these techniques, uh, national things, swim baiting, finessing. Take me back to that time, John. What, what, was, what was that like? Like, I, I got to imagine. I'm, I'm trying to close my eyes and visualize you guys, you know, gone from tournament to tournament, you know, these, this gypsy lifestyle. Give me some stories from back then. Well, the biggest thing, there was no internet. So right. when we knew something, like when I learned swim bait from Byron or I learned, you know, drop shotting from Aaron or yep. whatever it was, split shotting back in the day, I had it. I owned it. I could go to another state, another lake. I could go anywhere and win tons of money. And these guys didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I introduced a ton. I introduced a lot of techniques throughout the West. And I, I swear my, I tell my co-angler, I go, Man, you, if you're smart, you won't tell anybody this technique. We'll win. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a big secret. Yeah. I mean, Byron kept the swim bait for me for five years. He kept it hidden wow. very well. And oh, I was living cool. with I mean, we had the same house. So, I mean, it was a secretive society. Yeah. You kept your little secrets and you, you unveiled them in tournaments and you wow. kept that to yourself. So it was a totally different world. No internet. Yeah. You know, someone called you on a phone about sight fishing. You're like, uh, they don't bite if you see them. I mean, you, you just didn't admit to anything back then. Right. You just wrecked it for me. I thought you guys were like this crew of like West Coast Vikings with sun-kissed hair, sharing women and stories and baits. <laughs> you're not. You're just not as wretched as we are. No, everything, everything but baits. But I, I want to know. That's a great. That's a great question, though. I want to know how the hell, Byron, did you keep the swim bait from John for five years, and you guys lived in the same goddamn house? 
And you're well, still well, you guys you're, you guys saw Gunnersville. What happens when you tell somebody about well, you know what you know what happened at Gunnersville not that long ago, really, when Skeet Reese basically took eighty five thousand dollars away from me and I got second place. I can now you remember this. I remember. I was leading for two days. I remember this one. Oh yeah. I tell Skeet what to do, and Skeet gets first, and I get second at Gunnersville. You know, that was giving him the bait because I was like, Skeet had a shot at Angler of the Year and Murray and I and Skeet are rooming together. Yeah. And, you know, that's $85,000 difference between me and Skeet. And, and he went ahead and paid for my groceries at the house that week. That's <laughs> yeah, that's good. Hey, man, I bought groceries. You don't have to get Mary has to give me a third, but you don't have to give me your third. Thanks for helping me win Gunnersville, and you got second place. <laughs> a couple <laughs> hungry mans and a Yoo-Hoo were even, right? <laughs> mean, meanwhile, Skeet's got a yellow Lamborghini. <laughs> Murray will tell you, Skeet, and I hope he's still watching skeet definitely uh, nothing comes between him and those dollar bills man i guarantee you <laughs> yeah i know do chippendales uh, the early early lessons of chippendales having but dollar bills surgically john's removed point, yeah. <laughs> yeah really to john's point when i was fishing swim baits and it was way back in the day i actually had to act surprised every time i caught a fish on it because every time i was in my boat and saw me catch a fish on it i had to tell him i was gonna throw an ocean lure I go, oh, I saw this bass chasing a, a, what looked like a salmon or a trout or something. And I would just play totally dumb. I'd have the rod hidden in my rod locker. I'd take it out. I'd throw it out there. Murray even asked me at Clear Lake when I set that record. He goes, are you free swimming that bait? You remember that, John? I, oh, I know yeah. you guys, him and Brad Height were like, are you free swimming that? Because at that point, the guys knew to throw them on beds. Russ Meyer and I were throwing them on beds to get reaction bites yeah. off of bed fish. But I was also free swimming it, just throwing it out there and really getting like a crankbait, slow rolling it more like a big spinnerbait. But every time I caught one, I had to tell my co-angler, it's a fluke. It's a fluke. I've never caught a fish <laughs> on this before. <laughs> and, I, and he goes, I can't believe he ate it. I go, neither can I. And for eight years, I had to pretend like every fish I caught on that lure on, on every swim bait was, was an accident and a freak of nature. And Whoa. I can't believe a fish would eat that thing. And that's, that's how I kept it a secret for close to seven or eight years. Dude, this I is, this, this Ooh, is un it's unbelievable to me to hear this because yeah. can you imagine yeah. in an era of cell phones and tablets and social media and, live coverage. and technology and live coverage? Can you Paparazzi. imagine that? <laughs> Dude, that's a that's so epic. And yeah. hey, I, I, there were tears in my eyes when Steve Price was at Bassmaster at Clear Lake, and I let it from first day to second day to third day, and I was going to that corner every day that first time, and I and it was pro-pro draw. I had to draw a guy who didn't have a swim bait, and I had to go crush his skull and catch 83 pounds on a swim bait, and the whole time I'm throwing it, I mean, there were tears in my eyes because every time I would cast yeah. it, I would hear the camera go click, 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 oh, click. Oh, no. And I'm watching yeah. – the, the beginning of the end of yep. my secret with swim baits at Clear Lake when I had, I, you know, I got 83 pounds. And you know who got second in Clear Lake and when I when I set the record? Who? Skeet Reese. He lost by 10 pounds. Uh, <laughs> wow. 10 pounds. He was second because he was the kid from Ukiah, remember? And it was, a, yeah. it was a sight fishing tournament. Murray had a really good tournament. Brett, Aaron, Murray, and I, we all had a good tournament. But... But the swim bait bite back then was a secret until that tournament. Wow. Byron, we still got do a you still hold that record? Yeah, it's still it's still the three-day heaviest winning record. Three days, oh, 83 yeah. pounds, 15 fish. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. That that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to give 
uh, John, John Murray, I'm going to give you a chance to turn the tables on Byron. And I want oh. you to give us one of Byron's secrets about fishing a swim bait or another technique that, <laughs> that you know that he's never told anybody. <laughs> Let's turn the tables on Byron right here, John. <laughs> give it to us. That, that's that's not what I was thinking you were going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us that one. Yeah, well, yeah. tell us the other one, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The only the only thing I know about Byron and the swim baits that, that maybe, I mean, I, he did cover it sometimes, but, man, he'll take that hot sauce and stuff and just douse his swim bait every cast. Mm, his right. hands are greasy and everything's greasy. His rod's greasy. And I'm like, dude, this is, no, you got to have it on there because if they come up and touch it, it just used to gross me out. I wouldn't even do it. But I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing I want to think about, you know, his tournament stories. Yeah. You know, I got a lot of those. You know, these are not bad stories. But yeah. ask him about when he cut down the Amtrak train. Oh. And got banned from bass again. We know about that. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. He said again. Hold on a second. Oh, again. John, are you, are you meaning to tell us that he got banned from bass again? Couple times, yeah. He's been English <laughs> choice band. Yeah, he's that's Byron, man. All right, oh, all right, Byron. You want to? Do you want to? You want to talk about this one? You you cut down an Amtrak. What, let's talk. What is let's this? talk about train uh, damage. National Railway. Okay, wait a minute. They they were gonna ban me if I caused any damage to the suspension of the train bridge. But when they went and looked at where I sawed them down, I, I I took a chainsaw <laughs> in Florida and I and I rented the chainsaw and I went into the water in in in, in a St. John's was I think it was St. John's right John Harris uh, Chain Harris Chain and there's a there was a there was a place called Trout Lake that I wanted to get my boat into so I rented a chainsaw and I went and there was an active train track. God, I can't believe you said this, Murray. Can't believe you said this. <laughs> and there were these posts, and I had to cut all the posts down in order to get my boat under there. And 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 the boats, the, the posts that were cutting down were were secondary posts. They were like suspension posts, but they weren't the main posts. And and at that time, it was uh, Trip Weldon. He drove over there and looked at the posts I cut down because oh he thought I actually put a a train track in peril by cutting, taking a chainsaw and cutting away underneath the train bridge. Try to make enough room for my boat to slide in under there. Wow, <laughs> dude, so much respect. Oh my gosh, yes. Holy shit. That's fucking hardcore. I mean, like, it was like a bootlegger. Thank you, yes. David, the long day in the water. For no I had reason. to cut down eight, eight posts. I had to cut eight posts with a chainsaw to get my boat up under yeah, there. Byron, there isn't one accidental post on a train bridge. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Oops, why'd we put that post in? Not to mention the seven other. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm, I'm in the field. They did not, they did not, they did not disqualify me after they looked at the bridge. They said it was okay because they saw what I cut, but but I was under a train bridge with a chainsaw. It's like having an accidental shin bone. <laughs> it really was a train bridge. Why, why I got the second shin bone? Oh my god! Who gave that to me, dude? I I'm not an expert on law, but I'm pretty sure that's a federal offense. Uh, it has to be. Uh, that's awesome, Byron. Thank God it happened before the Patriot Act. Statue of limitations. Statue of limitations. I think we're past it now. I think I'm okay. Holy Christ! If they knew you talked to Trump and was sawing train bridges down, Jesus Christ, dude! You extremist son of a gun, you! What are you doing? That is. Such a good story. That's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, John, give us another one. You queued, you queued up a great old 
story there. Let's get another good one. And it, it doesn't even have to be tournament related. I just this is this is unbelievable. <laughs> Never stop. Never stop. This <laughs> well, is like the, a the book. only thing about you know, you talked about Byron's van, his Astro van. Oh god. Oh yeah. It had a million million plus miles on it. Jackson. A million. Pop. Really? He made it into a shrine in our backyard. Wow. When he retired, he didn't trade it in. He didn't sell it. He put it in our backyard and made it into a little shrine. <laughs> so in the backyard, we had a little Astro van back there. And people go, what's that for? I'm like, well, that's Byron Shrine. That's yeah. a million miles. That's a wonder van. You, if you don't know what the Byron wonder van is. But yeah, yeah that, that was, to me, that was just, yeah. I mean, my mom came up there. What is that van? And that's Byron Shrine. Wow. I mean, everybody knew about Byron Shrine in our backyard. I, I think it's probably still back there. Byron sold the house, but I think the, the shrine's still back there somewhere. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's unbelievable. I totally can relate to that Hell because yeah. it's hard to, to, you know, disconnect. You still with, have your Toyota. I, I don't still have my Toyota, but it's hard to disconnect with something that has so much meaning yeah. to you. I can relate right. to that, Byron. That's unbelievable. Yeah. There's probably more the panties on the backside of the of the couch than like a Walmart. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like wedged behind the under there. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah, like M and M's, but they're panties. Wow. BTC <laughs> Sean Lay says that Byron's van was the original Cougar Uber XL. Wow. <laughs> I got to send you some pics, Byron, <laughs> of my neighbors. Wow. I live in a college town. That's unbelievable. You can't meet Byron with a cougar. Like, why would you even insult him? He, no, he, he ain't some, hunting cougars. Trust me, this, he, would, he would respect <laughs> oh, these kids. Game. No, Maybe. Stop! I wasn't that bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I know exactly, Byron. I'm sticking up for you. I know you got a reputation to uphold. <laughs> now, I, I got. Uh, I want to remind everybody, Riz. Uh, Going to have you put some more questions. So, I want to remind everybody if you got a question, hit up Riz. But I do want to know. Let's get a, 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 maybe not a totally accurate, but let's get a count of how many boats you guys won. Because, John, your boat count on the West Coast is insane. Byron, you tally yours in there with that. Well, Byron's going to count something else. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about, like, he can make a prison rope out of all the thongs he's caught. No, no, no. No, that's a given. That's a given. I don't want to know about that. Fifth floor prison rope. (laughs) I want to know how many boats you guys have won between you over the years. It's got to be in the... 30 uh, Hurry, how many of you won? I won 31 boats and seven trucks. Wow. Damn, dude. B, B, what do you got? It's amazing. I won 14 boats. I won a truck, but that was a shared truck for the TTT, a Rolex watch. And Murray, didn't you and I win something at the Jackpot? Byron and I won a boat. Wow. Now, okay, Dang. I thought so, that night tournament, we won like an ATV or something like that. I don't know. I, that might have been a, I don't know. Dude, that's a that night tournament San Carlos. Murray and I teamed up a couple times. We teamed up for a night tournament. We won that. But I, I thought we – I don't know if that was a boat. or Maybe that was a boat. That the was Jack a boat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Mike split 250 the other day. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Brian There won, were boats uh, everywhere. Yeah. I didn't want – Murray was the king of boats. Murray was winning boats. When I was a kid, when I was – I mean, we're the same age, but – but Murray was crushing tournaments when he was his his mom and his mom would take him to the lake and drop him in the water before he had a driver's license. He was winning tournaments before he had a driver's license. And his parents would drop him off at the lake and he would beat everybody in Arizona. And he was 14 years old, 15 years old, winning tournaments. More titles than Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal. These two guys, dude, man. That's like, crazy. Jesus God, dude. That's crazy. But, but we've got people watching and listening right now. Like, can you imagine that? Like, think about that in its entirety. 
a time period of your life when you guys were dominating to the level that you have a pile of 50 boats, Chevy trucks, Rolexes, just stacked like a mound. Uh, like, well, think about that. Like, that's incredible. the funny part, Mike. Mike, we would be we would be boat rich and money poor. At the end of the year, you'd have three or four boat certificates. And Murray knows this. I mean, well, there were plenty of us that were going to these tournaments, and you'd win the boat, and you'd either try to sell it as fast as you could or be a certificate. But you could be completely broke and have two or three boats to sell. Yeah. You would literally have boats to sell mm. or a truck. Or I never sold my Rolex, but because I mm. wanted to keep that, it was so cool to win a Rolex light line tournament at Wachita. But but to have things. And be selling and still be completely broke. I think one year after I won the U.S. Open, I won a boat in Arizona, and 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 I needed that one just to pay the taxes. I mean, I had to use that boat that year. That boat went straight to the IRS. Yeah. So when I won the boat, I was like, "Well, there's my taxes for the year." Yeah, that that's crazy. Uh, Riz, what do we got? I know we're stacked up with questions for uh, for John and Byron. What do we got coming in? Yeah, so that those stats that you guys just said about the boats and the trucks and everything, that's just like blowing people away on the message board. And uh, Epic Eric wants to know, um, what was, um, for each of you, what was like the most, what, what would you say was the most dominant technique that you used to win all those boats and trucks and Rolexes and midgets and everything else? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you ever said midgets, but I like it. <laughs> um, and, and so, so what was the most dominant technique? And then also what was the most memorable win of the 95 boats that you guys won combined? What was the most memorable and most dominant technique? I'll go. Yeah. So By when Byron and I, in 96, Byron won the U S open, I got second and we bought a boat, a house on Lake Mead, Boulder city. And I'd never won the U S open. I got second two or three times. I got third a couple of times. Wow. So I bought this house. So I'm going to live on Lake Mead to win the U S open and Byron too. He won the year before. So that year, 97, I won the U S open. And my first time, I, you know, living on the lake, I mean, it was a, express purpose buy this house win yeah. the u.s open so that tournament was the, the biggest for me yeah. wow. just because when when you're a kid on the west coast that's the biggest tournament in the country that's back the then dream classic tournament. was smaller yeah than, back, than the u.s open back yeah then. so yeah it was the by far my biggest um and technique wise i mean i was always a deep guy you know i was one of those I mean, when i started my career i was catching 50 foot deep on westy worms and Damn. garland jigs yeah but most of my wins came flipping. A lot of them came flipping or top water. A lot. I really got into top water. For, I mean, there was just spells. You know, yeah. I never was a swim bait guy. Byron was oh. always a swim bait guy. But finesse and deep yeah. and top water. That was that was more my my style. Well, yeah, that's because he lied to you about the swim bait. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, my my uh, my my win that I'll never forget was that first time I won the U.S. Open. That was 1990, um, and 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 that that win in 1990 or 91 when I was just uh, 20 26 or whatever it was. That that was the one that blew me away because because I was borrowing a boat to fish that tournament. It was a sight fishing tournament. Guys back then weren't sight fishing very much, so it wasn't swim bait. It was mostly bed fishing on Lake Mead. That year the U.S. Open was actually held in April. And, uh, and, and I was really, really, really into sight fishing at a young age. And I was winning tournaments sight fishing. I won Folsom and, and Don Pedro and, and Orville. And those were sight fishing tournaments mixed with swim baits when I finally figured out the swim bait thing. And I, I would say most of my West Coast tournaments were, were sight fishing and swim baits. But the one that was the most memorable was 
was was the one that started it for me as far as a career winning the US Open at a very young age in 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 in, in 1990 I guess or whatever it was that was the one that kind of blew me away cuz I I I beat everybody I'd ever looked up to I was asking for autographs from Zoe Roland and Rick Klun and Denny Brower and everybody was at the US Open back then and it was they had just had a Bassmaster tournament there and coming off of a of a Bassmaster tournament that I couldn't even fish because I was just this kid with a borrowed boat living in Southern California. And, and, and what blew me away during the Bassmaster event was I was looking around and there were bedfish everywhere. And all these Bassmaster guys are not fishing for them. And we got the U.S. Open coming up the next week. So a lot of guys stayed over to try to fish the U.S. Open because they were giving away $50,000 in a brand new boat. And, um, and, and, and I couldn't believe in this little borrowed boat with no electronics on it. And it was a 17-foot little Skeeter Starfire with a 150 on it that I could go in the back of every pocket and see bedfish everywhere and think, oh, where's Rick Clun and Zell Rowland and Denny Brower and all these guys that are my heroes who are walking around the casino at night and I'm asking for their autograph and nobody's bedfishing. And, and, and that blew me away when I won that tournament. So that was, that was the start of it. And then swim baits, of course. Yeah. You know, and like, like John said, you get on a run, though. Like I won the Rolex tournament on a on – a, on a, on a top water. And I won the West coast championship at Lake Havasu on a jig, a Brown jig with purple trailer. You know, you, you just, and, and I, we all get on these runs where yeah. you get really strong on a crankbait. You get really strong on a jig. You get really strong on a top water. And for like a year or two, that's your go-to thing. But then it, it turns into something else. It's really crazy how I guess versatile we are and, yeah. and, and how we win things on runs, you know? Yeah. Comes in cycles, comes in cycles. Riz, what else we got coming through? Yeah. Um, uh, Chad in Canada wants to know, John, do you think there's a higher chance that Byron would consider going back to tournament bass fishing or going back on The Bachelor? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> good question. Yeah, that, that, that'd be a toss-up. I, I think uh, his life right now is pretty good, so I think uh, it'd, be, it'd be tournament fishing right now. I think he's, uh, he's conquered that bas- Bachelor world pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm done with that. <laughs> that that actually brings up a really good question that I have for both of you guys, uh, and and maybe start with start with John and then go to Byron. Uh, you guys are are as veteran as you can get in the sport. You, you've seen it all. You've made the transition from West Coast to East Coast. You've seen the the rise of the sport. Is there anything you regret in your career when you look back on it? Is is there Something you did or, or, or something you tried that you regret that you look back on and say, God, I wish I didn't do that. John, is there anything that you regret? No, I don't think so. I, 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 you know, I loved fishing the West. And then, like Byron said earlier, about 99, 2000, it was, it was dying away. Yeah. And so I remember watching Kevin Van Dam win the 2001 Bassmaster Classic in New Orleans and ESPN had just bought and I sat on my couch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that next year. I've never made a classic. I tried a couple times in the past. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna go back east now. And I always said I wasn't going back east. And I made that next classic. I made the next one at Lay Lake. And so I, I think my movements always been about right. Obviously, there's tournaments you, you regret you didn't do this, do yeah. that. But overall, I feel really good at you know the progression I've done. Yeah. Like I said, we've had some amazing experiences. I wouldn't trade them for a million bucks. So, yeah. no, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy the way things worked out yeah. for me. Same did you ever have you. to slap anybody, John? <laughs> I never did. I never did. I was a bigger dude, though. No one, I never really got in any. And I'm pretty mellow. You know, I, I never, 
you know, Byron showed up at my house the third day of that tournament in Arizona. And, I, and he, he called me like, I'm like, dude, it's tournament. Why are you not? And he showed up at my house and I'm like, what, what is happening? The tournament's still going on. And then he told me the story about Todd. So Todd. yeah, I, I never had those issues. <laughs> Todd. You, Todd, you uh, are Todd, you're Todd intimidating, John. You are a big guy. Yeah, Todd. Uh, no, I don't yet, think man. anybody but somebody by the name of Todd ever got slapped. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody that's ever got Dude, slapped. Dude, like is Butch Todd. never got slapped in the face. No, Butch don't get like slapped. Like Butchie Hartman never yeah. took a slap. No, but Todd, Todd's getting <laughs> Todd's slapped. Todd's getting slapped, man. Uh, Byron, same question for you. Looking back all these years, anything you've regretted? And you've been involved with so much from, you know, the TV side to the fishing side to, to mainstream opportunities. Anything you look back and say, I regret doing that. I, I shouldn't have did that. Yeah. Or I wish I would have I did it one. different. I, I was in Japan. Uh, Murray and I went to Japan, and, and then and then I picked up a sponsor in Japan. And so Murray and I had gone there for Tifa. And then I picked up this sponsor named Ken Craft. And so I was over there doing these promotions for this big Japanese group. And it was, at the time, the biggest lure company in Japan, and Ken Craft. And, and one night, I was in Tokyo at the hotel, and I remember these people got a hold of me and they wanted me to talk to and have drinks with them at the hotel. And, and they were from a small little company called Lucky Craft. <laughs> Lucky, oh. Craft. Huh. Lucky Craft wanted to know if I'd be willing to leave Ken Craft and move over to Lucky Craft. And I said, no, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, my, you know, I talked about some friends of mine like Skeet and everybody and Murray. And we all we talked about some guys I knew that were, you know, great fishermen out west. But I, I basically said no to a little company called Lucky Craft in Japan. Wow. And, and stay with Craft and, and then watch the world blow up with Lucky Craft. Isn't that amazing? Wow. <laughs> Dude, what? A in a crystal ball, I would like to have told Ken Craft, I'm out and yeah. gone with Lucky Craft in, yeah. in Tokyo that night. Wow. Well, I had the Senko in my boat for two years before I threw it, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, laughed at, I laughed at the chatterbait when I first saw it, so I understand. <laughs> It's funny when you look those, back in we? hindsight on some of that yeah, stuff, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. How about you, Mike? Do you have any regrets? I have a lot. I mean, I have regrets. I, I, I think I, I, I stand where John's at. Um, I think you can't look back and say, I wish that would have, you know. I don't want to change anything because I like the experiences. I like the way that life turned out. But, yeah, I wish I could go back and do a few things different, you know. Uh, when, when you look at, you know. Ways I've reacted in the past, I, I maybe would have reacted yeah. different, you know, or tournaments where yeah. I wish I could go back and have went left instead of right. Yeah. You know, we're all going to have that. But, yeah. man, these experiences, like, just I, honestly, this night has been so special for mm. me to hear from Byron and Skeet and John to remember those times we had, you know, and, and mm -hmm. those memories of Spain, you know, and those memories of tournaments and staying together, rooming together. And, you know, that stuff, that stuff means a lot, man. I, would, I wouldn't ever want to change any of that. It w it's it's yeah. been a great life, you know? I agree. It's been a great life. There won't be another Skeet or Byron or John Mary, that whole combo. There won't be another no. one, man. It'll That's never it. Be, it'll, never been, it'll never be done again like that. And not taking anything away from these new crop of anglers, right? Justin Lucas premier West Coast angler, Josh Bertrand, like all these guys, amazing. But it, it will never happen the way it happened here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm glad it doesn't because I want, <laughs> I want that to live. I want that to live forever in my I, mind the way it was, untainted I, I, by any of this other I, shit. You know? It's crazy. I, so good. Ike, when we grew up, 
you know, at the house, when the, the money house at, in Boulder City, you know, we had this little dude, this little high school dude, Brad Height, hanging around. And we had a, a, a little skinny dude named Ish always hanging around. He was about the size of the I mean, we had these crazy little characters always just, they just hang around us, you know? Yeah. Little Timmy Flinger, who just won the U.S. Open this year, yeah. just hang around. Uh, little Derek Yamamoto, all these little dudes. And hey, see John. All they've turned into is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, you know what's yeah. crazy, John? I still have a picture. I remember John and I were at Lake Havasu, and Aaron Martins was grilling me and John, John and I, about how many boats we won and about what we won. And he was pumping gas, and his mom came up and thanked me and John for talking to her son. And she was like, "Thank Whoa. you so much." Remember that, John? Oh yeah. Wow. wow. Carol saying, "I'm so glad you guys are talking to my son. He just loves fishing." You know, and Aaron's like, "I'm going to win more boats than you. I want to be a bass pro. I'm going to be a bass pro someday." <laughs> wow. And Aaron and I, are, I mean, Murray and I are like, who's this little guy over here? And he was <laughs> grilling us about everything we've won, how much money, how many boats, everything else. And I still have a picture. I still have the picture of me and John talking to Aaron that his mom took when she thanked us for actually talking to him. Oh, my God. Good night. Wow. John, do you have any funny Ishman Monroe stories you'd like to share to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Well, that's another show. No, <laughs> we're open. Let me, let me be the surprise yeah. guest. Let me be a surprise guest on Ish's show. Yes. You know what? Brian set it up. Let's yeah, get Ish on next week and bomb him. This is a good setup. Yeah, yeah. this is a good setup. That's we needed this. Hey, the, the one regret I do have, you know, probably, and Byron probably's got the same thing, is that we used to when Byron and I used to dominate sight fishing. And I literally used to, we used to laugh at Aaron Martin's trying to catch sight, but he couldn't do it. You'd follow me. You, you, we'd laugh at him. We teased him about being a poor sight fisherman. And within two months, he dominated us for the rest of our careers. Wow. So that would be my regret. I would never say anything to Aaron Martin's ever again about <laughs> What Did your demons keep polarized glasses from him and you finally told him they exist and he could see them? <laughs> What did you do? Boat once that it was betting, and he got so mad at me. And I mean, Byron and I both, we just laughed at him. We just finally got cocky and said stuff, and that was the dumbest things we've ever done. Yeah, that's true. true. Wow, it's it's crazy to hear to hear the names, that caliber of names. My God, you know, it's just that's it is. It's unbelievable. You know, all all the that experience now you look back and think of those guys as kids mm. as young inexperienced kids brett height mm -hmm. aaron ish as just kids hanging around yeah. you can't it's hard to even fathom yeah. that there's two know? guys picking on them yeah isn't that awesome it's so cool Who's it's next? So I, I was doing a seminar i was doing a seminar for triton and i was back east and I was given. I was doing a swim bait seminar, and in my swim bait seminars, I pretty much divulge everything and just tell the people in the audience the best pro tip techniques. And at the end, uh, he comes up. Brandon Polinick comes up and introduces himself and says he's from Idaho and he's a he's a fisherman that's going to try to get on the tour someday. And I remember Brandon Polinick. He would be at every seminar that I would ever do, wow. like anywhere I would be at doing a swim bait seminar. I'd wow. see Brandon there on a regular basis, and it was and Polinick was just absorbing it taking yeah. notes and and he was there for everybody's seminar and Polinick was studying the game in the stands yeah. at those at those you, you guys probably remember seeing him too it was like Polinick was a sponge learning everything we could possibly throw at him yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy how it's all come around and 
the information wave has really helped a lot of these young guys. But what the, what, what the newer generation doesn't understand, they have everything at their fingertip. Right. Palinik had to go out and watch these things. Right. Physically be yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pre-internet. Yeah. Well, the, the big thing now is you got to call through the misinformation. Right. You yep. know, yeah. you got to get to the good stuff. And yeah. how do you do that now? Because there's so much noise. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. There's a lot. Uh, I, I want to ask, this is a big question. This is maybe even a great way to, to sort of bring this to an end. And, th and this may be easier for Byron to answer than John, but I want to ask both you guys. Um, you know, being there from the beginning of, of, in my opinion, you know, the beginning of bass fishing really elevating through what I consider is the peak and now in the present time, um, I, I, I want to ask you guys, what – what needs to happen to the sport to make it better, right? What needs to happen? Because we're in, we're in a weird time in life with corona, but even with that, I feel like bass fishing has flatlined. Or I can be honest with everyone now because I'm a little bit, bit more removed than I've been. I think it's gone down a little yeah, bit. Declined. Right? It's declined a little bit. I see money going down. I see fishing leagues you know, where it, we're having to get back in the sponsor boats. Interest. Like, I, I see the sport going backwards a little bit. Let me start with Byron, because I know it's a little bit easier for you to answer this. What, well, does, you know, I, what needs I, to happen? I got to tell, yeah, I, I tell you, the one thing I'd like to see you do is come fish a U.S. Open, because at least, and, and yeah. Murray and I love the U.S. Opens. Yeah. And the one thing about the U.S. Open is, if they're filling them up, Ike, you should come to Lake Mead and at least have fun, because... They're giving away a ton of money. They're giving away what, like a hundred thousand dollars, a boat and a truck. I don't, Murray, you, you probably can chime in on what the heck that is. But at <laughs> least there's a fun event that I still look forward to fishing every year. Yeah. And I, and if I get someone to watch my daughter, they're filling the place up. It's a fun. It's 250 boats on Lake Mead. But to your point, with the exception of something like like a U.S. Open where where everybody puts up their money, everybody goes. The yeah. politics and the leagues and the sponsors going down and and the delusion of, you know, when I left Mercury, this is no joke. When I left Mercury, yeah. Michelle at Mercury, she goes, I'm going to pick up five guys with your contract. She goes, I'm going to sign five guys with your contract if you leave, because you'll never get this contract again. And when I quit, I would, I knew I would never again get what Triton was giving me, what Mercury was giving me. And, right. you know, what I had for sponsor dollars, I was grandfathered into those. Right. And now there's right. five guys that will take 20% of what I used to get. As, as, a, as a sponsored angler back in those heydays. Yeah. So to Ike and Ellie, to your point, I go to the U.S. Open now, you know, just fishing ducket rods and, yeah. and, and, and running a Mercury motor, but, but I'm not really going there with a sponsor package on my back. I'm just going to have mm. fun fishing a pure tournament for $150,000. And with the exception of something like that, I think the leagues and the delusion, the, the, the diluted, the sponsors being diluted, the money being diluted, I, I think it's, to your point, I agree, it's a, it's a tough it's a tougher time now than it was in the heyday when we had free boats and motors and, and big contracts and, you know, wrapped vehicles and wrapped boats. And they paid a lot for those wrapped boats and those vehicles and title sponsors were big. You remember those days. Those days, I think, are gone. Are they not? Yeah. I mean, the days of Crown Royal and Coca-Cola and teams, that's sort of going. Uh, gone. What, 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 in your opinion, Byron, what, what needs to happen to bring that back around? What? What do guys need to do to recapture that momentum? 
You know, I, I hope after the coronavirus, I, I know there's been a huge push in the outdoors and people are becoming, you know, they're, they're unplugging and they're getting out of the social, the social world, the social, the, the, doing a social detox, if you will. Yeah. They're doing a social detox. The fishing is through the roof. Outdoor activities are through the roof. Everybody talks about a run on it. Maybe after this coronavirus, hopefully the silver lining is, you know, there are more people that fish and the young anglers today, the high school, college anglers can be inspirational to get those big dollars back. I, I don't know if you need a unification of tours. You know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know, like Murray and you, I don't know enough about the tours anymore. Cause I just, like I said, I checked out, I don't follow them. You know, I, I'm not watching and learning about what's happening with major league fishing and FLW being bought by major league fishing and the Bassmaster elites and who owns who and what is what those politics I just, I think it's really gotten pretty sad. And, you know, gone are the days when ESPN owned Bassmaster. And that was a big, big time. That was probably the heyday when when there was the Saturday morning block of all bass fishing. Yeah. And it was yeah. a show called Bass Center. They don't have soccer center. They don't have football center. They don't have basketball center. ESPN had sports center and ESPN gave it to Bass Center. Yeah. That was the only other time they've ever used the word center on ESPN and, and gave it to ESPN too. That was a heyday of the sport, you know. That was a crazy yeah. time, and I, I think that's when the title sponsors were in. And I, I don't know if we get that back, Mike or John. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, on it. I, I do want to hear yours, John. And I, you're, you're involved in it, and you fished uh, all the leagues. You fished FLW, MLF, DASS. Uh, what, what needs to happen to, to get back to well, a forward momentum for the sport? Well, yeah, that, that it's the, it's just, yeah, it's just too, too spread out. Um, you know, there's no top dog level anymore i mean john cox is trying to do what a lot of us used to do mm. fish all yeah. three tours yeah uh, until yeah. that you know tell a guy can just say hey man i'm i'm on top of all three tours you're not on top of any tour so right yeah i think young guys are gonna you know right now you gotta pick and choose you gotta you gotta choose your sides back in the day you might we all fish both tours yeah you know both we, tours yeah, we we we're fishermen. We we don't we weren't politicians, you know. Are yeah. we tried to vote, and and now you can't. I mean, it's just it's just hard, you know. You, you sponsor alignment, everything else. It's just been really hard. So hopefully, you know that that someday there will be a top level tour that a guy can college guy can work to the top level, and that's it. You it are is. the man. Now. Yeah. Right now, it's it's too many of them. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really the only thing I see. Just the dis, you know, too much, and. uh too much politics on on, the, on that side of it. Yeah. Will, will the anglers ever? Will there ever be a day when the anglers unite? Like I know we've all been through. We've been through the PAA. We've been through other organizations. It it never seems to work. Will that they day ever agree. come? No, because if you get fifty guys that agree that this is the best, you get fifty guys over here that agree that's the best. You can't get two hundred or three hundred fishermen to agree on anything. Yeah. That's what I've always seen. You know, it's, yeah. it's just self-interest. Um, yeah, a, 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 a united front of fishermen. Yeah. If every one of us professional fishermen could unite and say, hey, we're going to dictate the terms of where we go. Yeah. But then maybe they'll bring 250 college guys in and replace y'all. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the only the only thing. It's just the group has never been able to get together. And I know you've been yeah, behind. But- I know John Cruz. I know guys. That, I agree. But yeah, to get everybody a degree, that's that's the tough part. Yeah, Byron, I think we need you as our as our Jimmy Hoffa of the uh, fishing <laughs> organization. 
<laughs> you mean disappear for good and never be seen again? Yeah. No, I mean I mean buried under the Meadowlands. I I meant I meant pre I meant pre murder John Hoffman. Because I pulled the Jimmy Hoffa and I'm over here in San Antonio raising a kid and nobody nobody even calls me anymore. I don't hear from yeah. anybody. So I'm just <laughs> glad to be on this show. I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I call hey, I call Byron all the time and check on his chickens. We have chickens in common, not chicks, chickens. What? <laughs> We're raising chickens. Yeah. Wow. Murray inspired me to get my daughter chicks and Murray and and and, and, and he, yeah, they, they got me going on chicks now. How about Him that? TJ, TJ's the inspiration for the chicks. How about that? Huh? Are they in the house? Can we look at them? They're not here. They're not here in the bed next to me. No. <laughs> Pete with a chicken fetish. <laughs> <laughs> well, We're talking about chickens, I'd like to see some chicken. <laughs> oh man! Well, I gotta, I gotta tell you something. This has been uh, an unbelievable pleasure. Both you guys on right now, and I want to, I want to mm. look at you. Agreed. What's your camera? This right is the camera. I want to look at both you guys and tell you that both of you both have you. been an inspiration for so many people in the fishing industry, including myself. Uh, uh, I, I honestly want to say that when I was young, we're all old guys now, but when I was young, I looked up to you guys. As I got to hang with you guys as mentors and peers, I looked up to you guys, and I still do now. And Byron, you uh, had such an impact on, on the game of fishing and you will always have that, no matter what you decide to do. I can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done for fishing. It's been thank amazing. Yes. I know a lot of people can say that. It's been awesome. It's been unbelievable. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what, a good, what a good show. And if we happen to go to Spain again next year, and, you know, <laughs> and some girl says, my milk here, here, then, you know, <laughs> that would just be okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no story there. <laughs> oh, some good times. Oh, man, that was Spain. amazing, dude. Hey, if anybody out there wants to do any guide trips, I'm still looking for more guide customers because that's my thing now is to take people out and do swim bait, sight fishing, guide trips. So let me know if anybody wants to find out. That's, that's my only thing now is to do some eBay stuff and some guide fishing. But until my daughter gets older, yeah. I think I'm going to stay close to home and just just do, uh, just do educational guide trips. Byron, Byron, we will send some work your way. I'm going to reach out to you and get you signed up on the Bass University. And I know there's a ton of guys that want to learn that uh, <laughs> that are in our program. So yeah. I'll uh, yeah, like yeah, I'll me. definitely reach out. I'm yeah, actually flying out to Orange County this weekend. I'm going out to Orange County because I got picked up. I got two days in, uh, like around Lake Mission Viejo area to, to just do a swim bait, just do a, an educational swim bait with this this young guy that's fishing professionally, semi-professional, but he wants to learn more about swimming fishing in Orange County of all places. So I get to go see my mom and do a do a guide trip down in Orange County, which will wow. be fun because yeah. the weather's beautiful down there and the fish are already moving up. And so a swim bait seminar day should mm. be really good. That's wow. awesome, man. That's well, awesome. Hey, Byron, you're, you're, you're in the Zoom with two other guys that guide. Pete guides here in our area, and, and Rich used to be a hunting guide. Yeah, I'm guiding on Watts Bar. There you go. Yeah, Everybody's a guide. Yeah. yeah. Murray, you're guiding, right? Murray's guiding yeah. on Watts Bar, right? Watts Bar, Chickamauga. Rich, Rich has a Rich has a really funny story about about a guide trip where he accidentally sent a picture to one of his clients that he was meant to send to somebody else. <laughs> and, and, and it was a husband and wife that he was taking out on a on a was a deer hunt. Rich, 
Yeah, it was a deer hunt. I dropped them off in the stand, went home to hop in the shower and send a, uh, you know, some stuff back home. And uh, the most recent call in my contacts was uh, Nikki, who was sitting in the stand next to her husband. That did not go. Oh, wow. Byron, you ever have an incident like that? Wow. <laughs> it was a rough one. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Byron, he didn't even tell you. It was like a shower shot of him in the shower he took and sent it to her. He wasn't even like. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't like him posing in front of a, a bush. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> I had a towel. Jesus. You kidding me? Byron, Byron doesn't do anything by accident. <laughs> if he sends it, he owns it like Thor, dude. <laughs> Thor. All right, uh, Rizzo, any last questions coming through that you want to get through to Byron or John? What do we got, Rizzo? Um, we got a lot of people that are interested in in both of your uh in both of your guide trips. You so go. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too surprised if you get your phones blowing up here. Um, and uh we got one on the board that's actually uh it, it's about the fishing. Um how much value is there in in living on a lake like you did, John, just with the purpose to win the U.S. Open? Hmm. Like you moved to a question. lake, lived there, you committed yourself to it. How much and, value is there in that for for a young angler to do? And you move that's huge. Me? It's huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's I, I live on Watts Bar. I live 10 minutes from Chickamauga. Um, you know, you go to a lake like Gunnersville that's going to get big pressure. Uh, you're going to have some big tournaments on those places. Lake Mead back in the day was full. You could spend years out there and not see all of Lake Mead back when Byron and I lived there. But there was a big tournament there every week. And you understand the movements. You understand what happens. You you don't find a favorite spot. You you, you learn a new, new water every day. So, yeah, there's a ton. If you're really serious about being a professional fisherman, pick one of the popular lakes, Toledo Bend or Sam Rayburn or – Gunnersville, live by it, learn it, go to another one. That, there's a lot of value in that. And you know, Rick, when I when I talked about Rick Clun being my mentor, it was to, to John's point. I moved to Lake Mead in 1993, so I started off renting a house out there before John and I bought a house. And 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 I moved there because I was living in Southern California, and Clun was the one that said you need to have at least one tournament lake in your back pocket where you sleep in your own bed at night, and you call that place home. Where you can go wow. home every night, put your boat in the garage, yeah. and that is your tournament lake. And for me, that was the U.S. Open because I, you know, three years after I went it the first time, I don't need to be living in Southern California fishing professionally. I need to be living on Lake Mead and, and at least having that as my home field advantage yeah. for the U.S. Opens to come. And then to John's point, three years later, I win again, and he moves out there, and we get a house together, and he wins. And we called it the money house. And we were living there, making money off, living, having a house that we could look at the lake every morning, wake up, have your coffee, look out at the lake, and decide whether or not you want to put the boat in the water that day. Yeah. That was that's, e that's exactly why I live on the banks of the Delaware River. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years from now, there's finish. going to be a tournament here, and I'm going to be ready. <laughs> that's funny. Pete. That's crazy. <laughs> Well, we mi <laughs> we missed that, Mike. Why? <laughs> oh, we missed that memo. Yeah, we live we, in the worst place in the world to catch a bass, <laughs> South Jersey. Uh, I'm checking the uh, social feeds, and I've got one here coming through on Twitter. Uh, and this is from this is actually for Byron. It's from Ron Jeremy. 
<laughs> and, <laughs> and Ron wants to know, Byron, is it true you won the Caucasaurus contest at Lake Havasu three years running? I will not talk about that. <laughs> That's a definite. Yeah. I do not know anything about anything to do with the word Caucasaurus. <laughs> John, John, do you want to comment on this? You know anything about Lake Havasu? John will not be commenting on that. John will not say that. <laughs> that houseboat has been since sunk at Lake Havasu. <laughs> <laughs> the over that contest happened is at the bottom of, of that creek over there. <laughs> Copper Canyon, Copper Canyon. It's at the bottom of Copper Canyon. <laughs> There's your answer, Ron Jeremy. There's no answer. <laughs> I would say it's an admission of guilt. <laughs> it's an admission of guilt. You're talking about sinking the vessel. I know. It could be. Very the evidence. I don't know. Hand. There's the hand right there. I wish. <laughs> I wish we had a Lake Havasu on this part of the world. We had like the Jersey Shore, huh. right? That's like our closest thing. But like, why couldn't we just? Why couldn't the Delaware River be Lake Champlain for us? And they get the Delaware right? River up there where no one even lives. <laughs> I know. You know well, what I mean, get, dude? We, well, we we just we live here. We I know, but I'm just saying. Like, why couldn't we get Okeechobee? And they get the Delaware River down there in the swamp. Uh, I wouldn't wish the stay. Delaware River on anybody. I do. <laughs> <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Everyone else. <laughs> These. <Yeah>. Them. <laughs> Byron actually had a great tournament on the Delaware. They. Byron had a good tournament. Yeah. Top, I think a top five, right? Yeah, you remember that? I got that one spot, and I sat on there from high tide to low tide to high tide, and I just sat yeah. on that one point. That's a damn good spot. I didn't know it was spot. out there, but there was old – Mike, you probably know more about that spot than I ever will, but I was blown away at the fish living on that point that I was sitting on. The, gr- the funny thing about that spot, I'll let, I'll let Pete tell you, is that spot is an old yeah, spot yeah, from yeah. from like our I remember being a co angler and this is I'm talking about like ninety two, yeah. ninety three, drawing out with guys in our federation that knew the mm-hmm. river. And I remember being in the back of the boat Where was stuck he? on that spot. He was on uh, the, the piling point of River uh, Riverton. Riverton Yacht Club. Riverton Yacht Club. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's yeah. a historic spot. And it's so yeah. cool. That you found that and yeah, exploited it, found. you know, by by, yep. yeah, by sticking on it, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I remember. Yeah. I remember I seeing it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I learned? Yeah, about, it was again, it was good old Rick Klein. You know, when I went to the Potomac, and, and when I started fishing those tidal waters back east, Rick told me he said, "Listen, if you don't want to get your butt kicked and you don't know the water real well, just find a spot and sit there and fish it from high tide to low tide to high tide. Just never leave it and just fish it as it transitions through the tide." And that paid off for me at the Potomac a few times. And it really paid off for me at the Delaware because I sat on that spot through the whole tide. And the only time I didn't get bit was when the buoys stopped having any current. When I could tell when it was going to go dead because uh. it either hit slack low or slack high. Yeah. And the buoys I had, I had like two or three buoys out there on that spot. And I would just notice they would all not have any current and the fishing would die. But then they would flip around and they'd start moving again. And then once the buoys start getting pulled around, the fish, the fight turned on. And I got to thank Rick for teaching me especially Potomac and Delaware, just to find a spot and sit on a spot and grind it until the tournament's over. You saw me, Mike. I never left. Yeah. Dude, there was paparazzi in those con- in those apartments watching you, Byron. I remember that, yeah. dude. Like they had the news didn't cover the event; they covered Byron yeah. on the water. Now that is yeah. true. Yeah, he was he was shirtless on the front of his boat. Yeah. Right? With the, and yeah. every time I had to go to the bathroom, that's when you could hear the cameras going off because I had a t- I had to whip it out and take the bathroom, and Cockasaurus was exposed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, low tide must have been tough. 
I was out with Fox News uh, in that tournament, and uh, we were there in the Riverton area, and you know they were like they were like it was such a joke to them because they were like oh you know where are we gonna go who are we gonna cover and um, you know all of a sudden you appeared like uh, yeah. in the area that we were at and and I'm like that's Byron Velvet they're like oh yeah the Bachelor. And yep. the radar went up, like everything changed. <laughs> we were like, man, I remember I went over and I had, I asked you, I was like, Byron, can, you know, can we interview you for that deal? And you did a nice interview for Fox. Whipped, whipped it out. Yeah. It, it was like Achilles <laughs> on the beachhead, you know, like everyone just showed up like to see Achilles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they could care less about bass fishing, but they were psyched to have the bachelor in the derby. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird time, man. Very weird time. <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> We'd also hate to have that moment in our life. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't sign up for it, man. I promise you. That was not yeah. in my repertoire. You I did sign up for it. You went on the show. Dude. I didn't, yeah, but I didn't audition for it. I got my friends called me in on it. I just thought it was a cool dating show. Who knew? Hey, man. Hey, man. Good for you, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you did it for the rest of us, too, because it, it really did. Uh, it, it gave yeah. a lot of great exposure for for what we like to do which is fishing it helped yeah. mike articulate what he does tell them what people when you would tell people you fished they thought you were on like crab boats in oh, alaska yeah. yeah 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 so yeah, when I, yeah. oh yeah i got that all the time when i was you know younger <laughs> in my career and you would try to explain to people you know if you're at a high school reunion or you know you're at regular corporate event and you know you say what do you, what do you do for a living and i would often say i'm a professional fisherman and they would say, oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. And, dude, I, my face would light up. <laughs> I, my cheeks would get high. I would start to <laughs> smile because I'm like, thank God, finally somebody that knows what yeah. I do. And they're like, yeah. yeah, 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 like, you know, that show, you know, the crab show where they get the crabs yeah. and they put the traps <laughs> out. And yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, they thought you were on the, val <laughs> the Valhalla. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Fishing for crabs. Yeah. So it, it, it <laughs> actually got to the point where I stopped saying that. And when somebody would ask that I knew, knew nothing about it, I'd say, I'm in sales. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I got tired of explaining it. Right? That's, that's awesome, that's so dude. That's funny. It's true, too. I say you won the classic. Yeah. We're, we're in advertising. That's what yeah. we do. Hmm. Advertising. Uh, man, what a great show. Uh, John, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing some of those stories. Uh, un unbelievable. Byron, thank you for coming on, dude. It was great to reconnect with you yeah. uh, after all these yeah. years. I I'm going to keep in touch with you more. Uh, definitely, definitely great reminiscing the old times. And uh, so great having you on Night Live tonight. Thanks, man. Thanks for inviting me, Mike. It's good seeing you guys and good seeing you, John. Yep. Good seeing you guys. Thank you. There you go. Byron Velvet, John Murray, everybody. Woo! Yes. Yeah, that, was, that was fun. Oh, my gosh. Guys. Dude, I, this makes me remember why. <laughs> like, you know, like, like I think when things are bad, sometimes you look back and you're like, why the hell did I start doing that? Why did I get into that? Yeah. But then you yeah. look on this stuff. And why did like, I create Ike Live? Yeah, why did I create happens. Ike Live? Yeah. But <laughs> I, these stories are great because it yeah. makes me remember. So I saw somebody comment. I think it was on YouTube that Ike Live was created for this show. 
It might have been. Yeah. This <laughs> for this a, one, yeah. This for this one. Yeah, yeah this exactly, dude. This was the perfect dude. outlet for wow. this show. Yeah. But it's so great hearing from those guys, and the stories are just so refreshing, man. It brings it, me back to the time. Byron's hanging like, out like Jimmy. Oh, cool. I like Byron hanging out. No, I didn't know he was still on. Like but more, more dudes have jumped from planes than have lived the life Byron has. You know that's what I mean? True. Of the experiences, I mean, yeah. dude. You know that's what I mean? That's true. Like. That's true. And, and <laughs> no, but the, the great thing about it is I think Byron would have been successful in anything he did, mm. and he chose mm. fishing because it was his passion, and he took it mm. to a whole different level, and he was successful, you know? so. But you know we always talk to the younger guys coming up? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, if you're not conquering the lowest level of things, then right. just stop doing it. Don't even, you're not going to conquer the highest level. Right. Byron's winning, you know, umpteen boats. Him and John Mary, they're, they're dominating. They're li living Dom in they the same house. He yeah. don't even, his buddy don't even know he's throwing swim baits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the level of success they had in an early time yeah. was a precursor to the type of success they would have later. Absolutely. If you're not getting that guy, yeah. save your money. Yeah. yeah. Do something else. Well, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. Listen to these stories, man. They were. They were paying their taxes with the boats they won. It was still it was still touch and go every moment of yeah. every second that you were out there. Yeah. It took a long time for them to get to the next level. And but I you know, I remember these times, Mike, and I remember you and me being in these times oh, yeah. quit. We're frustrated. Sponsorship yeah. is not happening. No. Like and the we were with these guys through this whole thing, you know. And it was a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. And you, the, my question is this, like, like you always say, you, know, you got to have a lot of money to fish. Yeah. You gotta have, it's a big, big money sport. But is it more important to have to suffer uh, mm. to be able to make it to the next level? Yeah. Is, it, is it more important? I, I think it, like I think it, work, I think know? it makes you a better angler. It makes you a better well-rounded angler and, well-rounded person and i think i think you appreciate it more you know and i'm not taking nothing away from the young guys that um that are that have had everything provided like trust fund babies yeah because there's some i won't name any names but there's some amazingly young talented anglers oh, yeah. that have had stuff provided to them sure and i don't want to take anything away because they're winning tournaments. they still got to get after it yeah they're still winning yeah. tournaments yeah. or winning classics but when you hear these stories, it's very refreshing to say, he deserved it. He, those guys deserve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They deserve it. You know, they work their asses yep. off. They've been through a lot of shit. Yeah, that, that yep. grind builds character, man. It does. Yep. Definitely best, does. Yeah. Best part about it was Skeet came in throwing bombs right away. And made <laughs> right everything away. way easier, dude. Oh, yeah. Because you're waiting for that opportunity oh, yeah. to start talking well, about the cocksmith oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, Skeet, <laughs> I'm so glad because if you're, if you're watching or listening, if, if you've hung on this long and you're listening right He's now. He's eating right now, dude. Uh, yeah. No, Skeet's not. I'm, I'm saying oh. our viewers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we've been on for four fucking hours again. Yeah. But if you're still listening... <laughs> There was a time at the beginning of the show, and Dave will vouch for this, where we, we were like, how does Skeet fit into this? Because, like, you know, we try to say, you know, we try to put stuff on paper like, okay, yeah. intro, John, you know, you know how we yeah, try yeah, to do yeah. that. But it was a good call to bring Skeet in. Thank you very okay. much, Brian. Brian the Carpenter. This is like three shows in a row where Brian's showing out producing. Well, Bri uh, Brian's established, man. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it was a good call because it was – Oh, Great. He, the stories uh, there were just priceless. He lit it up. Yeah. Like, priceless. And he messaged me as soon as he got off. He's like, man, that was a blast. That was fun. He had a, he had a really <laughs> yeah. good time. They were great yeah. stories. And I'm glad that, you know, uh, Pete, you know, me and you need to sit down and do an old school 
just <laughs> podcast talking about yeah. it. But isn't it great to hear those stories? Like, oh my god, oh my god. Th- these are think of how many people that know fishing. They think they know fishing that have never heard those stories. They're hearing them for the first time tonight. He uh, brought uh, great, he brought dude. a tomato Wait. box full of striper into a strip club just to have free range. <laughs> <laughs> you know dude, what I mean, a dude? Mercury, yeah. a mercury A mercury box. box, that's it, not tomato box. With the freaking yeah. tails yeah. sticking out. <laughs> yeah. Walking into a strip club. Yeah, full of, like, Man. 7-Eleven ice. Oh, my God. I don't I mean? Or no Mike, ice. I, I don't know. Mike, I don't know where we were at, but we were, we were somewhere on tour, and uh, we, we were – you know, hanging out with Byron and, and everybody else, you know, and we went into a club and I told this, I was just telling this to Shelly on when we had a break because I'd never seen anything like this before. Uh, we walked into the club and, you know, we're all trying to make our moves. We're all single. We're all trying to, you know, get some play and Byron just enters the place and it's crazy. Like everything changes. Like he sits down, yeah. and within minutes, within yeah. minutes, there's like three or four like twelves, <laughs> yeah, making a play for Byron before oh, he was yeah. the Bachelor. Sure, oh, yeah. like yeah, he's, it was, he's like Dracula yeah. entering the lair, and all the succubus just like raising <laughs> unveils the cape, yeah. and they're all just yeah. surrounding him. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was cr- it was crazy like that. He had, he had something that was pretty special, yeah. and 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 they knew it. And that's probably why he got picked for the match. No, yeah. you're right, Pete. Yeah, you know, little we, fact we didn't bring up uh, that year that they had the Bachelor. There was actually two Bachelors when the season started, and the fan votes picked which one of the two males, male really? contestants, was going to be the Bachelor. Is that right? Byron beat a real estate guy from Jersey for the spot. Is that right? No. Yes. Kidding. So okay. everybody, I think all a lot of guys from. A lot of people from Jersey hate him because of that, but I I don't I don't care. But who would hate? Him? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who would hate him. Though. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to know obscure colors to hate him if as, as a dude. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's you got to know the names of obscure colors. Right. Kent Brown wants me to ask you about the cabana in Vegas with Byron. Oh boy! Oh man, there are so many. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're so late into the show, but I, I I'll say this: there are so many amazing Byron stories <laughs> over the years from. Cabanas to access. One of the things w- I didn't I didn't corner him because you know those guys were hitting him pretty hard with stuff. But dude, he would always have access yeah. to the most amazing things, a- and like I never understood <laughs> it, you know, because I never had that, you know. But like clubs, you were in the Playboy Mansion, dude. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like how many dudes I, got in there? Yeah, in the history of dudes. I know, but it, it, <laughs> history of but dudes. It, but it was it was pretty amazing the access he had. Because mm-hmm. he was—he's just such a people person, and he would, you know, Very like so. like he drew women yeah. in. He would also draw, you know, people in. Yeah, he had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. He had the ability to do yeah. that. And it was so cool. And there were so many. I mean, my list is that long of things that life experiences that thank you, Byron, for allowing me to have these yeah, to opportunities. S- to sniff your stardust. Yeah, so many <laughs> that I can't tell. But the one that I do want to tell, and I wish I had it on my notes as last. I know we were running late. I wish I would have told this when Byron was on. Hopefully, he's still listening. But the one, and the one I wanted to thank him for, is it was iCast, and it was 2006. And Byron had access, through a friend, uh, to this club, exclusive club, 
through his relationship with a, somebody he knew at Red Bull. Where was the ICAST at? What, Vegas? This was when ICAST was in Las Vegas. Okay. Okay? And so we get into this, this club through Byron, and very exclusive, you know, like just, just people and smaller crowds and just this amazing. Everyone's in taped-off areas, like oh, their yeah, own like, area. Like, like it's yeah. very exclusive. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm awkward there because this is sure. – I'm like, what the – you know, this isn't me. But Byron was with Mary. This is when The Bachelor was going on. And Byron and Mary were doing their rounds, mm-hmm. which was funny. Sure. And I'm sitting <laughs> back with the other anglers. I'm with B-Height, and I'm with Ish and Travis Klein. And we're just – we're sitting at our little table with endless bottles of vodka – you know, just chilling, not doing, you know, just like awkwardly chilling. And <laughs> awkward. they're out of place. Yeah, they're doing their rounds. But in their rounds, they visited this table of all women. And, and Byron and Mary visited this table of all women. And Mary said, By- Byron's fiance at the time, said to this group of women, hey, I got a bunch of single guys over here you, you guys need to meet. Come over here and meet these guys. You know, I got, yeah. these, got, this guy, got these guys you should meet. And sort of like brought these two tables together. And that was the night I met Becky. How about it? In Las yeah. Vegas. So, How about that? Yeah, so Kent, I know that wasn't your question, but I do want to thank Byron. Thank you, Byron, for... Uh, you ultimately helped me meet my wife. Should have probably brought wow. that up. Thank you. I, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I, I imagine that table with all them women probably looked like the library scene from Ghostbusters underneath the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? Picture you painting? Remember the slide? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> An elf for our mystery tackle box. From that to, uh, let me remind everybody, Ike Live is the only live <laughs> podcast that does a live unboxing. Uh, uh, right there, uh, normally I have a pen or a knife or something, and I had to use my fingernail there, so I creeped it open. But we're opening a amazing new pro box. And, again, that's the great thing about this box it puts new lures, new techniques, stuff you might not normally <laughs> buy on your own, right at your fingertips once a month. All right, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to pick something out here. Uh, oh, gosh, there's some good ones in here. Uh, let's I hope they see. got some gum in there. My, uh, I'm going to go with this one. <laughs> some gum. I'm going to pass it on to Dave, and, uh, and then I'm going to actually let it go to Bry. I'm going to start right Ooh. here. We got a spinner bait in this one, and um, I like this one a lot because – it's a sexy shad colored spinnerbait, which I like. And it's got, if you look at this spinnerbait, it's actually got uh, white, yellow, and blue mixed together. So I love that color in a crankbait. Oh I've God. never really seen it in a spinnerbait skirt. Uh, it's a half ounce, it's a catchco bait. Definitely something I probably, uh, I've, I've never seen. Something that would work if you're in a shad, place with shad or herring or owlwife. This would be a good one. Dave, what do you got over there? Man, in honor of, of the cocksmith Brian, Byron, <laughs> <laughs> I got <laughs> they're, Bi- both, they're both cocksmiths. <laughs> Byron, yeah. <laughs> Brian on a lower Byron. level. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, he's like a squire of, uh, of King Arthur. <laughs> All right, Brian is to Byron. Listen, I got Lunker Hunt, the gambit swim bait, in honor, honor of Byron. Dude. Oh, a swim look at bait. This. Look at that. Dude, look at this thing. Holy Christ. Dude, it looks like a little yellow perch. Like Christ on a crutch. Look wow. at that thing hidden in there. Semi-weedless? Dude, throw Ooh, it this way. That is oh. amazing. Wow. 
Wow, look at the color pattern on that. I know. Dude. Chuck it, dog. Hey, the company is Lunker Hunt. No, Brian, I left something on top for you that I think you'll really enjoy. I, I got I got a box. Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to throw this Brian. All right, let's go to Pete real quick. It's right behind that. We got the up. box here, and I got the things to All keep right. this stuff, the color right. Okay. Pete, what do you got in yours? I got a Lucky John. I, I, this is kind of a flat. It's a flat side with a with a flat finish, and I like that. Uh, it's 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 really a cool finish too. It's a, it's a deep diving little flat side. Pretty cool. Wow. Pretty pretty little, neat little stuff. Little John. Yep. Wow. Hey, you know why I'm thinking about this? We we had a great great stories tonight, but I can't imagine Roland Martin had to be. The Byron Velvick of his day. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're I right. want. I want to get the Bill Dance, the Roland Martin stories. Yeah. I want to get the Jimmy Houston stories. Yeah. Back talking in about, the seventies and eighties. Smashing poons. I don't know if he's crushing box at the sock hop. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> no, I mean those those guys. They had they had some they had some wild stories too. Like yeah. They, they did. Like I think it was the same and different. He was running Vegas time. though. We're yeah. talking Vegas uh, versus versus yeah. Apocalapa, Florida, wherever that area is. That, <laughs> yeah. is that a, 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 yeah. with, you Land know, Ridge cut that for yeah. tomorrow. Them girls yeah. play down there. Come on. No, it's called Apocalapa, <laughs> whatever that is that launch. Apocalapa. Yeah. 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 Timestamp that. All right. Brian, what do you got? <laughs> oh, uh yeah. Dude, same box, right? You guys didn't have the tightrope jig in that box? No, I didn't see it. No. Yeah. There it is. A little tightrope jig. We that's, know that jig. That's our homies. Yeah. It's a nice jig. Yeah. Popcorn and uh, and JP. Love that jig. Yeah. Good yeah. smallmouth jig. What are you talking about? The Yeah. Really? Straight cast guys yeah. got their own lures? Oh, yeah. They've been making really? that forever. Well, the, yeah. Those those two guys. They sold this to uh, MTB. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a little little finesse jig. And actually, I'll be honest, I like this, I like this mass-produced version better. Because the, uh, the guard. Because the weed guard. You like the guard better. Yeah, yeah. I like the weed guard. Chuck better. me JP's jig. I'd like to see that thing. Yeah. That's a, it's a good jig, dude. It's nice throw. A Jesus. Really good jig. Hey, blue rotator. That's it. It's over. That's this really is amazing. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, wow. That was a great unboxing. We saw some great lures there from MTB. Bunch of other stuff, uh, too. Shit. A lot of other stuff in there. Uh, Riz, I want to do, uh, let's go ahead and, and give, this, uh, give this away. We've got this amazing Ike Live gift bag that, of course, uh, uh, we're, we've given to the like and share winner tonight, uh, our Facebook contest. Riz, give me one. What do you got? That's right. That 25-pound Ike Live gift bag is headed out the door, mm -hmm. and it's going to Brock Bellick. Brock Bellick. Good name. Brock. That's a strong Brock. name. Strong-ass name. Congrats, That's a great Brock. Name. He's not getting Brock Bellick. Congrats on the name and the, and the uh, Ike Is he Live from Minnesota? Bag. Where's he from? Nebraska. Yeah, I knew oh, it. Yeah. I knew it. Nebraska. Good Honor. damn name. In the house. Uh, dude, what a show. It's a good what one, a show. Man. This is a good one. That's a really good I, one. I, I don't know. Like, the last couple have been good. I, Oliver's, the one, Oliver was really, really Oliver good. was great. Yep. Um, we yep. had a great Roland Martin show. Yeah. I don't know. They've been really good lately. Uh, I Malcolm hope you guys yep. watching enjoyed it. I had a hell of a time. I know it's been like four hours, but when they're good like that, dude, it <laughs> flies by. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Four straight hours. I want to thank uh, all our guests tonight. Of course, Ryan Lambert uh, yes. joining us in the first segment. What a great guest uh, talking about the kayak world. And then I want to thank our uh, Zoom guest, of course, Byron Velvick, Skeet Reese, John Murray. Thank you guys for coming in. Amazing so stories, world-class stories. want to thank everybody uh, here 
Dave Brodzik, thank you very much. Brian Carpenter, thanks for producing. Pete Glusick, the dean of BU, and Rizzo, thank you guys for joining us. It was a great show. Hope everybody had a wonderful time watching. We'll see you next show, and guess what? It'll be even better. Good night. <laughs>